What the F and What, Episode 17. Now Bill Clinton likes weed, the 90s had the best music, and let's talk about Florida some more. Chasing the nuns out in the yard And I'll run naked through the street with all my mask on And I will never need umbrellas in the rain I'll wake up in strawberry fields every day And the atrocities of school I can't forgive The happy fountain has no right to be Welcome to What the F and What I'm Dave Orlands Angela Clark. So dig this. When we go off our normal schedule in releasing podcast episodes, it appears that's when people really want to listen. Are you hitting us with podcast stats in the first segment? That's not normal. I know, but I'm pretty geeked about this. So check it out. According to our hosting site, anchor.fm, which if you ever wanted to start your own podcast, use anchor.fm because it's free and easy to use. We went from 273 times that someone listened to the podcast on July 2nd to 312 times as of this morning. Are you sure you weren't bored and just started listening to us on your commute to Lansing every day? Yeah, no, no. I I hate listening to my own voice. I'm really kind of cheesy. Kind of cheesy? I never noticed. Smartass. Seriously, yes. though, <laughs> it's like it's like the people missed us. Maybe it's my coworkers in Ohio starting to get to know me. Like, can they Google it? Because I didn't share it with them. Um, they can Google it, but I don't. I don't think it's it's them because uh, you know less than one percent of our listeners are from Mansfield, Ohio. Ah, let me guess. Troy is still listening to us the most. Yes, it is. But now Kalamazoo has caught up with Portage, and now they're both tied at 12% each. Ooh, it's about time Kalamazoo started listening to you. You know, if Kalamazoo listened to you more, you might have won that county commission race back in the day. Ouch, man. Ouch. You moved to Ohio, you burned yourself while eating something, and now you're turning into a meanie. Just imagine what I do to people who talk too loud in the library. Actually, oh, I don't really do much library. with that. Because, <laughs> oh, there it is. Yay. <laughs> I actually don't do much because uh, it, it has to get to really intolerable levels for the most part. But speaking of moving to Ohio, Ooh. I am officially a resident of this place now. I got my license plate last week. Boo. Hiss. Which one did you get? I just got the generic one because I didn't see any in the special plates that I was really interested in having. Although they do have one with a Superman logo on it, which is interesting. Yeah. So that probably would have been the only one I would have considered getting, but so wait I a didn't. Minute. Wait a minute. Ohio's a DC state? I guess so, because I didn't see any Marvel options. More reasons to hate the armpit of America. It really is. Um, But yeah, so I just got the regular one, which actually uh, 
they so very weird thing about license plates here um apparently the governor can come up with new license plates so you might be familiar with the one that has kind of the white background with the red top and then the blue bottom yeah so that license plate is like one that came out because i did some license plate researching because i was kind of trying to figure out what i wanted to get and um, that one is, is now doesn't exist. Like they, they don't make it anymore because the governor came up with a new one, which actually has a, it kind of like pays homage to the Wright brothers. And so the background is kind of a field. And then at the top, like it has Ohio in the script writing. And then it has like birthplace of aviation or something like that on the top. So yeah, it's so I ended up just getting that one because it's the it, like it's the generic basic license plate. And uh, it was interesting because when I went to the BMV to get my license plate, um, they just had them already like they just pulled it out of the like out of the little drawer. Like they already have a bunch made up and you just take one. So they're not they're not like the Michigan license plate where the letters are like hammered into the metal it's just on the license plate. So that was interesting. Hmm. And they eventually gave it to you considering you had to like go back two or three times and go to three different places. Oh my God. I was so frustrated. Yeah. So you have to do everything in an order. So the first thing you have to do is get your license, your driver's license switched over, which I did get my official driver's license also um, this past week. So you have to get your driver's license switched over. So I had gone and done that. And then you have to do, um, you have to go to the same place you do your, dri your driver's license. You have to get an out-of-state vehicle inspection. So they, like somebody from the office just comes out, looks at your vehicle, um, puts how many miles you have on it, what condition it's in, your VIN number, all that stuff. They sign off on it. And then you have to take that to a different office um, that does, it's like the county title office. And they're usually, they're usually next door to the BMV. So it's just a separate office. But the day I went to go get my out-of-state VIN inspection, it, it was a Wednesday, it turned out that particular county title office was closed on Wednesdays. Like, why? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so like the like the counties are charging money on top of their secretary of state's stuff and that's why they got a county office or i don't know welcome so, to ohio they nickel and dime you to death so you pay for your you pay for your license then you have to pay like five dollars for the inspection and then you have to go and transfer your title at the county title office. And that was like $15. So I had to transfer my title to an Ohio title. And then once you transfer your title, you can go back. No. So I live in Cuyahoga County and it is an e-check county. So after I transferred my title, I had to go get an e-check. So basically, like you go to, like I just went to the e-check station down on 55th, and the, luckily there's a BMV across the street from it, so they're all at least conveniently located. 
Um, so that helps a little bit, but it was just kind of like this circus. Cause I had to go do this e-check at a, you know, after I did my title and then they basically like hook your car up, check a few things, make sure your gas cap, like all that kind of stuff works. And like, because I'm a, you know, a resident it's free. So you get like up to three e-checks per year. Like if, the, if you don't pass the first one or whatever it is. Um, so if you have to get something fixed, you can go back and get it done, but I passed everything. And so I went across the street to the BMV and I'm like, I'm just I'm getting my plate today. Like <laughs> I just, I need to get my registration to my plate today. Um, cause I, I had gotten to the point where my title was Ohio, my license was Ohio, but my plate and my registration were still in Michigan. And I'm just like, I'm tired of having all this separated. So, right. yeah, I ended up, I ended up going to the BMV. Luckily, I mean, I was in and out and like. 25 minutes probably so that went that process went very smoothly but i had because i had everything with me um and like i said they already had the license plate sitting there so luckily i didn't you know i didn't have to get a temporary plate or anything like that so well for our friends in michigan this is this is what we would have to expect to experience if the epa decides to blame us for all the carbon dioxide and and stuff that comes across the lake from Milwaukee and Chicago. And yes, I just put on my MMA lobbyist hat there for a minute because we're pushing well, back against I'm that. Not- we're telling the EPA, don't blame us for the other people making problems. So, but you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on that a little bit because the e-check, you're from Ohio? the e-check part, no, the e-check part was like the least problematic out of the entire thing. Like that was, that ended up being very easy it was in, and like I said, it was literally across the street from the BMV. So it was conveniently located and it was open on a Wednesday. Um, so the part that was really frustrating was more the order you had to do things in and that you had to go to different offices and that when like, why is, why, why are you closed on a weekday when the BMV is open next door? Like that didn't make any sense. And it was just, it was just frustrating at that point. So, um, it ended up taking probably the whole process took like five hours out of my life that you'll never get back again. Yeah. That I'll never get back again. I mean, the driver's license itself was two hours out of my life because they kept calling numbers after mine and skipping my number. So I don't know what happened there. And then but... they and then they unplugged their credit card machine or whatever or Putin attacked no, or they something. Went, the credit card machines went out and it was like a nationwide thing again, which seems to be happening every other week, it seems like. Yeah, because Russia. <sighs> I don't know, man. Nobody from Russia listens to the podcast, so we're safe. Are you sure? Uh, they haven't shown up in the stats yet, so... Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. Right. But But, yeah, so I officially have my driver's license, my title and my registration and my plates. Um, But yeah, it was kind of sad to take off my Michigan license plate, but I have it still. I'm keeping it because I love it. Yes. Yes. So I totally can understand why you are so fired up. If only there was a library in Michigan that responded to your inquiries, but no, we are slackers. Our loss, Ohio's game, darn it. Anyway, there's lots. That's what my boss keeps saying. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 
<laughs> so there have been a lot of things going on while you've been gone and dealing with all that. And we'll get into that before we wrap up the show for uh, today. But uh, for now, we've got some stories to get to. So shall we? Let's do it. When did you first vote in an election for president of the United States? Is this where you're going to remind me how ancient you are? I mean, I get it. You voted for Nixon. While I was alive when Nixon was president, I did not vote for him. Oh, that's right. I forgot. You voted for Reagan when he ran against Gerald Ford in 1978. Wrong again. My, uh, my actual first vote for POTUS was for George H.W. Bush. Damn. You are ancient. I take back my dismissiveness of all the times you've said, man, I feel old today. You truly are old, sir. Thank you. Speaking of my first vote in a U.S. presidential election, we have today's first story. The man who cost me money when I made a bet on the 92 election, Bill Clinton has had an epiphany. You see, back in 92, when asked about marijuana... He said this. When I was in England, I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale, and never tried it again. Dude, he didn't inhale. Sure. Anyway, from our friends at the Washington Free Beacon, don't ask why I read it, I just (laughs) got it from Drudge, and backed up by an article in High Times. Here's our headline. Bill, I didn't inhale Clinton, finally endorses weed. More than three decades have passed since Bill Clinton famously admitted that he experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. But this week, the former president finally acknowledged the benefits of legal weed. Last Tuesday, Clinton praised the very encouraging results of clinical trials to examine the effects of cannabidol, or CBD, CBD on post-operative pain. The former president gave his statement in response to the CBD trials conducted by New York University Langone Health and Baptist Health, Jackson Orthopedic Institute, which found that an orally absorbed CBD tablet, quote, safely managed pain after minimally invasive rotator cuff surgery and did not produce side effects sometimes associated with CBD use, such as nausea, anxiety, and liver toxicity. His statement was included in a press release from TR Processing LLC, and according to that release, Clinton has, quote, been following the study through the Clinton Foundation. He further said, quote, the the Clinton Foundation has worked for years to reduce opioid addiction and deaths. To succeed, we need non-active alternatives to pain management. The results of the trial are very encouraging, and I'm eager to see the results of the next round. I will note There are no comments from former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton about her husband's latest comments about these things. You know, it's so interesting that, and I've been thinking about this for a lot of different things, but like how different attitudes are towards a lot of stuff, you know, even, I mean, 1992 now is 30 years ago, um, so let's let's let the, let's that let that sink in for a second. So so you're calling me old again? Is is that it? Maybe. Yeah. Um, cause, but cause, I was going to. Put, I I mean I I do need to remind you my fir- my first presidential election that I voted in was in two thousand. Uh, 
which was Bush v. Gore. So yes, th- thank um, thank you, Doogie Hauser. You're welcome. Um, but you know, there's always going to be people younger than you, and there's always going to be people older than you. So you not need to mu- make fun of older people. Not for much longer. At the rate that I'm <laughs> age, that, at the at the rate that I'm aging, there will be nobody older than me. What are you aging like quicker than a year a year? I do feel like Benjamin Button sometimes. <laughs> Wait, but you're going in the wrong direction. I know, which is even crazier. <laughs> like, I'm like, doesn't he age backwards? Yeah, but like, you know, like, like, all right, so I umpired a baseball game earlier today. My knees were killing me. I wasn't even behind the plate. I was on third base. I have nothing to do on third base. And I still am in pain because I'm old. You should take some ibuprofen. I did before the game. Didn't work. Oh, maybe I need okay, CBD. Well, maybe. Maybe see. Maybe this is the kind of pain relief you need. Maybe. Um, maybe. Yeah. It's it's just interesting, though, like thinking about like how attitudes have changed. And this is a particular issue where, you know, in 1992, the, the thought of a presidential candidate even having inhaled marijuana was or admitting to it was like oh my god the world's gonna end you know but like today it's like if you find like it's hard to find people who haven't (laughs) right well and back then back then you know back then the strategy i'm sure was all right he will admit to it and then i think like the next week arsenio hall invited him onto the show so that he could play his saxophone because that was the big thing back in 92. You know, Arsen- mm-hmm. Arsenio Hall was this comedian, you know. You may not know him because you were so Arsenio young. I know Arsenio Hall. <laughs> that boy got talent. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think the timing of this went down. So he, he admitted that he didn't inhale. Arsenio invites him on the show. I think Arsenio tried to call him out on it. But then said, you know what? You can play the saxophone with a band. Go ahead. And then everybody kind of moved on. And I ended up losing money that November. I'm sorry. Did you lose a lot of money? I lost 150 bucks. Oh, dang. Right? But that was multiple bets with multiple people. And I paid them all off. You know, so I at least was honest. But you know, the other cool thing about that cycle, though, was I, that was the year that I first saw Air Force One in person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so that was my freshman year at Western. Um, I remember I passed the college Republicans table at Bronco Bash and they're like, Hey, do you want to go see Air Force One? I'm like, sure. And so they, you know, they, they arranged for a trip to the third presidential debate that year, which was at Michigan state. Uh, and so, uh, president and Mrs. Bush flew into Lansing on Air Force One. We got to watch it land. I'm like, Oh, that's a big ass jet. Um, and then, uh, we, they went to the Radisson downtown for like their prep room. Uh, and so then we went down, we hung it, we were hanging outside the Radisson. And then as the president and the first lady were getting ready to go back to the motorcade to drive over to MSU for the debate, uh, some of the campaign folks in secret service were like, Hey, you people who are cheering for the president, we're going to grab you and bring you into the lobby. And so the, I, they grabbed me. I was part of a lineup in the lobby as they walked by and we were supposed to be cheering and whatever. And the collar on my shirt was turned up and Mrs. Bush noticed it and fixed my collar as she was walking out towards the motorcade. So that's as close to, you know, POTUS that I've ever been. So I have questions. No, CBD, CB, CBD was not involved in any of that. 
No, but I have questions about this story. First off, they sold it as, do you want to go see Air Force One? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I feel like if you're college Republicans, you should be selling it as, do you want to go see the current president of the United States? I thought that as well, but the, as as the conver- I think as the conversation began, hey, do you want to see for Air Force One? The president is coming to Lansing, and blah 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 blah. So it's you know, you, you've never experienced the Bronco Bash, so you don't know how crazy how crazy it is. But I'm sure Michigan had something similar where they had all the student organizations all like in the yes. quad or whatever. Um, the other question I have about this. Is, is this where you started making your appearance as the Black Republican in the room? <laughs> you know what? I believe it was. That was that was the debut of Dave the Republican. <laughs> the one Republican everybody gets to see, depending on your camera angle. So there, we have a running joke that like there's always like one camera angle that has like the minority Republican in the room like on it, and it's always the same people like shown over and over right. <laughs> on their events. Yeah, for for a lot of the Michigan GOP events, it's either me or Linda Lee Tarver. Um, although I think Jimmy Green might be starting to fill in for that spot now since I've decided. I've had enough of that camera angle. They never get my good side in that camera angle. That's the problem. <laughs> do they kind of do the like under the chin angle? <laughs> it is always under the chin. You like, and you're like, this you know, is not flattering at all, people. It, it, it's not. And as I keep growing older, my chin gets bigger and bigger. It's like the second chin now angle, and I'm not. I'm not cool with that. No, right. and so yeah, no, no, no more Republican conventions for me until you get that camera angle right. What the f and what, man? So, in the intro today, you mentioned how I burned myself eating some meatballs and mashed potatoes. Aside from wanting to thank you for making me relive that moment. Uh, I have to confess how challenging this makes it for me to sing, we didn't start the fire. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry about your experience with the microwave that must be powered by kyber crystals or plutonium or something. But it got me thinking about the decade that brought us some of the best music. I note, when not singing the Beatles or just Paul McCartney, you tend to channel those 80s songs. Well, you also do that when you're feeling emo and blast the cure all day. Still waiting until you decide to throw on the black eyeliner to complete the look. Yeah, you're going to be waiting a while. You already know that I don't wear contacts because I'm afraid I'll poke out my eye trying to put in said contact. You can imagine how petrified I'd be by putting a pencil up by my eye. It's all good. When I can see the eyeliner, I just can't see you putting on red lipstick like Robert Smith does. Anyways, we've got a story that touches upon what decade is the most popular decade for music. This comes from the folks at Axios. Their headline, the 90s is the most popular decade for music. I'm not so sure I agree with that argument, but let's see what they have to say. 
So it appears that Luminati Music 360 ran a survey of 3,006 music listeners in America who are 13 years and older during the period of February 7th through 12th of 2022. According to that survey, the share of Americans who say they listen to music from a particular decade, and they apparently could pick more than one decade, are 15% listen to music from the 1950s and earlier, 29% listen to music from the 1960s, 43% listen to music from the 1970s, 55% listen to music from the 1980s, 60% listen to music from the 1990s, back down to 53% listen to music from the 2000s, 48% listen to music from the 2010s, and 50% listen to music from the 2020s. So why does this matter? The author of the article suggests that we need to savor this moment, a rare point of cross-generational consensus. They may not agree on bangs or gene styles, but Gen Xers, Millennials, and Zoomers, or Gen Z, all appear to love 90s music. Beyond this, it's important to note that the 90s was the last pre-digital era before Napster came along and blew up the music business. The industry is now living off the music made in the before times as artists back catalog from the 1990s and earlier are seeing massive paydays, especially as TV series like Stranger Things keep bringing back hot tracks from the 1980s. Further, in the early months of 2022, audio streaming of current titles was down 3.5% year over year, according to Luminat. Meanwhile, streams of older catalogs or songs more than 18 months ago are up 20% since last year. The author of the article wraps things up by making this very strong argument. As a Gen Xer, I can say with confidence that the 90s was the last great decade of music. We had huge hits from a range of artists from Nirvana to Notorious B.I.G. to Whitney Houston. Don't at me. Author's got a great point. 90s, not only had you know Biggie, you had Tupac, early Tupac. You still had like... Tupac so early that he was still with Digital Underground at the start of the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, uh, doing his background dancing for Humpty Hump. Um, he had the tail end of BBD and, and uh, you know, Belle DeVoe and Ralph Tresvant and New Edition, Guy. Uh, and then Nirvana comes on the scene. You bring in Pearl Jam. You bring in uh, Soundgarden, uh, Temple of the Dog. Yeah. Bye live um yeah I, I i as much as the t swift army may start blowing us up because we mentioned something about t swift in the few next few moments as much as they might you know yell at us and say that taylor swift was much better than anything in the 90s uh i can't i can't uh, sign on with that i think uh, i think there's a good argument here that the 90s was great I, I, I don't disagree because I think there were, were a lot of very strong entries in a variety of genres in the 90s. And a lot of emerging, like the rap scene was emerging from the 80s, like into mainstream at the time. Um, grunge was completely new. Like that was like, you know, Nirvana kind of blew that open. Um you know, I, so I think I think there's you had a lot of really different things, but all very quality at the same time. But as I was reading the stats for every decade, it made me think, I wonder, like, 
if you did this survey in 10 years, what are those going to look like? Does it just shift like later? Like, you know, are they going to, are people going to come out of listening to the nineties because they're older? Um, you know, so the newer generation is not going to listen to nineties music. So I wonder if it just shifts, like, you know, how the oldie stations shift, like, when I was a kid, the oldie station was 50s and 60s, and now the oldie station is 80s and 90s. Like that's true. Does it, does it just shift with time, or is it is this is this just a snapshot in time right now? And the trend is going to be that it just continues to move further along in the process. Yeah, no, you're you're you're, you're you, you make a great point there because it, I still cringe every time I'm listening to an oldie station and they start played Depeche Mode, right? Or they play Bon Jovi or they play Van Halen. Um, yeah, like Bon Jovi is not oldies to me. And and you know, <laughs> and seriously, I I mean, somebody posted a meme the other day that that basically said, look. Um, it's 2022. I think Bon Jovi is finally more than halfway there. Which, oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Living on the prayer, halfway there. Yeah, okay, yeah. You'd think we'd be more than halfway there, considering that's f almost 40 years ago. Again, Quiet. I'm feeling old. Quiet. My knees hurt. <laughs> I have sciatica. <laughs> I'm that's falling in your apart. Back. I just want to point that out. I know. <laughs> I'm just falling apart. Me and John Bon Jovi are stuck in the oldie station now. What is also interesting is this um, kind of dip between the 2000s and the current music. Um, it goes 53% in the 2000s and then 48% listen to music from the 2010s and then back up to 57% in the 2020s. So I, you know, I'm curious, like what what's causing that? Like, I have a theory. Okay, what's your theory? Uh, so remember, I shared with you the uh, the one podcast about your favorite band sucks, and mm -hmm. their 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 latest topic was Taylor Swift. A lot of their latest episode on Taylor Swift was about how much she used auto tune, particularly in the 2010s. And if you take a look at a lot of the music in 2010s, there was a ton of everybody was using auto tune. Even my even even Miley Cyrus, who is a great singer without auto tune, was using auto tune, mm -hmm. uh, and so it just makes makes you know music horrible. So the more auto tune was used, I think the less people were listening to that sort of stuff. Now we get into the two thousand twenties, you have an explosion of K-pop, and while I'm yeah, they're using auto tune too. The the whole K-pop thing blows my mind. And it sucked in, you know, Nikki and Christiana in, into the K-pop army. You know, they're like, I think Nikki's a colonel in the BTS army. C's got to be a major or something. And C's best, you know, number of her friends are on him. And, then, you know, Stephanie Beattie from our KZU JCs also is, is like on the front line of the BTS army. You know, they're traveling to all these shows all over the place. And I don't understand a word they're saying. Maybe I don't think it matters. Because I'm old. Um but yeah, there it is. It is. It is just huge. You see how many uh, of folks these days are going to that, uh, and so I think the more K-pop you get, that bumps up the percentages for the two thousand twenties. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to bring K-pop into this because I, I I thought about that with the two thousand twenties and the explosion of that, um, you know, in recent time. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I your auto tune comment is interesting because. Um, the very first season of The Masked Singer, 
and, and people might remember this, um, the winner of that show that year was the monster who ended up being T-Pain. And T-Pain is a huge, like in his songs, like if you hear his songs, like a lot of auto-tune, right? Right. And so to hear him sing without it, like he's a great singer, but nobody caught on. I mean, people didn't catch on to who it was until like way late in the game. Um, you know, it, because you're so used to hearing him sing with auto-tune. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, you know, your point about Miley Cyrus, too. Like, oh, my God, Miley Cyrus is an, a fantastic singer. Like, she did a cover of Like a like a Prayer in one of her South America shows, and that video is just amazing. Um, you know, so, like, she's a great singer, but, yeah, like, there was that, like, advent of auto-tune, and I think people are kind of over that at this point. Very much so. <laughs> Which then brings us back to why the 90s were so real. No so auto-tune. so great. No <laughs> auto tune. If if there was anything the complaint that I would have about the '90s is when grunge came on. Grunge came on. They always want to do this drop D tuning, or they want to you know take the the guitar tuning down a half step. And when I'm trying to play along with them with my guitar, it's such a pain in the ass to try to tune all the strings down a half step or go to drop D tuning. I just don't. Any song that has that, I just don't. I just don't deal with. So there's oh, okay. a. You know, when when we get the band together, you know, Minestrone Soup or whatever you want to call it, um, there'll be no drop D tuning. You know, the roadies will appreciate that because there'll be less things they have to hand me. Well, so this week, um, because in the next couple of weeks, I want to go to um, downtown Cleveland has um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is here. Um, and they have an exhibit right now um, around the Beatles Get Back documentary that's on Disney+. Plus. And so I have been meaning to watch it. I finally sat down Thursday night and started watching it and got through the first episode. And I'm about partway through the second episode right now. And one of the things that struck me, and I totally recognize I am a huge Beatles fanatic and that like this thing fascinates me and it probably wouldn't fascinate other people, but um, watching their process of how they came to write music and you know learn the songs and get ready to record and and this i mean this documentary literally covers like 18 days cool and they go from the beginning of the beginning of the documentary is them like pulling together and trying to figure out what songs they want to record for this album so these sessions, this 18 days, brought about both the album Let It Be and um, Abbey Road. Oh, so cool. if you think about how much music between those two two albums came out of 18 days um, and the process that they, they went through and just watching it, like, again, I know I'm a total nerd about this, but um, it's just fascinating to me because, it, you know, I don't think... It just how music has evolved over time. Like that's not a common thing anymore. Yeah. And I don't even know if it was common at the time or if they were just like, I feel like uh, like they're just musical geniuses watching like them like hammer out stuff, like little things. It's kind of it's just insane. So um, I have like if you have any interest in music or you know just process or anything like that, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I hear good things about that documentary, and I haven't seen it yet. Um, 
And I'm glad that you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that life. you've you finally admitted publicly that you are a big fan of the Beatles because you seem to have been hiding that for years secretly. Um, you know, and 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 uh, you know, to publicly say that you really love the Beatles and your appreciation for for Paul McCartney, I think, is good to finally get that out there. So, congratulations on that. I, I will admit one more thing here. In my early days of life. I did not appreciate Ringo. I now appreciate Ringo a lot. Really? Yes. Huh. And I think partly watching the documentary is helping. Um, but I also, it as I have like learned more about the group and things that happened, like he is just like kind of the glue of that group. Huh. What do you because know? Because he's... He's very, very, you know, like kind of goes with it and like help, tries to help like keep the peace kind of person. That's true. I can um, see that. I will be interested if you do watch it to to find out what your feelings about Yoko are after watching it. After watching it. All right. I will watch yeah. it and then we will come back to this podcast and I will tell you, hey, Yoko Ono, what the F and what? a good story from florida in a while we thought we had one during the last episode as we talked about an alligator named karen but that ended up being an alligator in lake county michigan and i note that we could have had a follow-up as another alligator was spotted in the kalamazoo river down by albion college i personally believe that these are early incursions in a war between the state of florida and the great lake state as you know Michigan has already fought a war against your new state in which we won the Upper Peninsula by giving up Toledo and Cedar Point. I think we came out with a better result there. We'll have no problem handling these gators that uh, gators from Florida that, that Florida is trying to send to our freshwater streams. Are you sure that giving up Cedar Point was a good idea? I don't ride roller coasters, so it's fine with me. You don't ride roller coasters? I have no love for the roller coaster. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, I'm happy to bring some crazy from Florida to the what the F and what audience. So here's your headline from our friends at NBC. Florida man arrested after trying to flee deputies on a riding lawnmower. A Florida man who avoided arrest earlier this year by diving into a swamp was not so lucky when deputies returned for him on July 9th. And he tried to use a riding lawnmower as a getaway vehicle, authorities said. Dusty Mobley, 40, of Holt, not the Michigan Holt, kicked a John Deere riding lawnmower into, quote, high gear while he attempted to pursue, to lose pursuing deputies with the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office, according to their Facebook page. The chase ended when deputies shot Mobley with a stun gun. Sorry, that's funny. <laughs> um, when taken into custody, Mobley had a revolver and a handcuff key in his possession, along with a pipe with methamphetamine residue. County jail records for Mobley showed he faces more than a dozen potential charges, including resisting an officer, obstructing police, possession of a weapon or ammunition by a convicted felon, drug equipment possession, and grand theft of a motor vehicle. 
he is being held without bond, and it's not clear if he's retained an attorney at this time. Mobley's hometown of Holt, again, not the one in Michigan, is about 40 miles northeast of Pensacola in Florida's Panhandle. Why am I not surprised that this dude had meth? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this whole story is just classic Florida man. Yeah, I mean, so my 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 friend Thea has returned from Florida. She's now up here living in Kalamazoo, uh, getting ready to uh, rejoin the teaching uh, uh, industry up here. And uh, I have lots of questions that I've been wanting to ask her. I've been inviting her to trivia uh, on Sundays, and unfortunately, either. Uh, COVID or some other illness has gotten in the way. But I think, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Maybe this is the Sunday that she comes to, to trivia. Uh, and I want to ask her, how many lawnmower chases do they have in Florida? Is this a common thing? I mean, I feel like it's a stereotypical thing for Florida. But again, I don't know, like, really how common it is. or It's just gotten stereotyped some way. I, just, I find it funny that they had they took him down with stun guns on a riding lawnmower. Well, yeah, there will be so many different questions that, that that could lead into another discussion about really, using stun guns. I really guns want with... the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office to release the video. Yes, <laughs> yes, as this man is falling from his John Deere, and if it's if it if his lawn lawnmower is like mine. The engine will automatically cut off as soon as he leaves the seat if the blades are engaged. But if the blades are not engaged, then that thing's just going to keep going down the street. <laughs> into the swamp. <laughs> crashing into Karen the alligator. Or whatever else oh, you no! find in a Florida swamp. Well, and the other part of the story was that like he avoided arrest earlier this year by diving into a swamp. Right. <laughs> oh I mean, my God, your face is great. The, I wish we could get a photo of that. <laughs> Man, meth must make people do weird things because, you know, I'm very particular about what I put, what sort of bodies of water I step close to. Um, there's swamp even isn't one of them. swamps, not even one. I mean, there are times I won't even go close to the big lake. And put my feet in the big lake because I know there's turtle poop somewhere in the big lake, and I don't want oh, it floating geez. by my feet. And if it's not turtle poop, then it's fish poop. And if it's not fish poop, then it's duck poop. Um, and this, I guess, kind of goes along with all the other rules of life that I follow, particularly when it comes to arranging my food in a certain order when I eat. We've done a story on that already, but yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you you've got to be a special kind of crazy to just jump into a swamp. Well, it actually makes me think uh, when I went um, when I went to Bermuda and I went to the beach the one day I was out in the water and this woman like 10 feet from me was like, hey, did you see the fish go by? And I was like, no, I didn't. And then all of a sudden I looked down and like just like right in front of my legs, there were there was a fish like swimming by. And it makes me think like, oh, Dave would have like freaked out. <laughs> Yeah, that could have been a that, that that could have been a piranha. You could have lost well, your leg. Then, well, the one fish went by, and then I looked down again, and there was like a school of fish going by. So, and those, yeah, yeah, yeah those yeah, would those would be barracuda. Yeah, no, seriously, or yeah, 
No. Yeah. I just, it's just one of those things where I just look at the fish. I look at the water and see all the folks who are enjoying the water. And I just go, what the F and what? Okay. Now that you're all moved in and kind of settled into the remote office, let's chat MCU. So I have something to admit. I have not watched any of the MCU properties or movies since since Shang-Chi. Okay. So I have not seen Shang-Chi. So we're... Anything thereafter, I still have not seen yet. Good to know. Good to know. So the uh, part of part of having this discussion then is to put these things on your to do list now that you know you're settled into the remote office because uh, you've got some catching up to do. Uh, I do. I have seen Thor: Love and Thunder. I have just finished Ms. Marvel. Uh, I didn't see Moon Knight um, for whatever reason that just didn't appeal to me, um, but maybe I need to. Uh, but but I I will say that as you are catching up. Uh, there will be a lot of appreciation, I think, particularly for you, for Ms. Marvel. I think you Ooh, will really yay. like that. Um, and this, and this, this isn't a spoiler per se, but uh, there, there are a couple episodes that they do about the uh, the British partition of India and Pakistan that are Ooh. really powerful. So, as a librarian, if you know of any books that might be good to talk about, the to read about the partition, uh, might be a good time to plug those with the, the, the teenagers uh, that you see in your your uh, workplace because uh, I think they'll they'll really appreciate how it ties into Ms. Marvel. That's really good to know because I know that 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 particular show I've seen I've seen a lot of commentary on what type of audience it's kind of geared towards and i've seen some arguments that it's more it's considered like younger um kind of geared towards that and as long as you know that like you know what you're going into you're not expecting it to be like you know for deep dark like old you know it's but i i feel like it's really important to have that too because i have seen some kids recently in the library come and pick up copies of Ms. Marvel to read because they were watching the show or they nice. were aware of it. So that's really cool. You know, like they're, they're getting exposed to the comic version also. Um, so I think that's, that's a lot of fun. I'm like, I am really excited to see Ms. Marvel because I love, I love the whole idea of it. And I like the, the, um, advertisements and everything were really like, I love that it's colorful. It's fun. It's, you know, it, but it also is, you know, is going to deal with some issues yeah. that that are important. So um, I'm excited about that. I am really excited to see Thor: Love and Thunder, but I know I have to catch up on everything else first. So well, um, here's the thing on Thor: and Love and Thunder. It, it's a good standalone, so you don't necessarily have to wait to see Thor until like you watch Ms. Marvel or you watch Moon Knight. It's it's a good standalone. If anything, you got to see Ragnarok before Thor: Love and Thunder. Ragnarok. Right. And so seen, then. Like Endgame, I've seen like 820 times probably. Right. So, so, so um, yeah. And I, and I did hear that Thor Love and Thunder comes in with like bro Thor at the beginning. Like, so, you know, because he had just left for with the Guardians of the Galaxy at the end right. of 
end game. So no, no I uh, again not not going to spoil any of it, uh, but it, it is a, it, it's a it's a good standalone. It is a good. Um, I think they do. It, it will help expound on some of the things that you might see in Shang Chi, uh, some of the things that you might see in the Eternals, um, but mostly it's a standalone and it's a good tribute to Guns and Roses. Yeah, so uh, that's always fun. Yeah, because every time I hear like the beginning of Sweet Child of Mine now, I think of Thor. So thanks, thanks Taika Waititi, um, <laughs> <laughs> who I also love. Um, he cracks me up, so I'm like, I love I loved Ragnarok anyways, so I'm happy that he was back for another Thor movie. So, um, but yeah, so I did uh, get to see another movie recently. Can we talk about Top Gun Maverick for a minute, even though we did like a, almost a whole show on it already? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's good that you're again now that you settled in, you're catching up. We got to talk about these things. So, uh, how many times have you seen it? Uh, four. Twice by myself and twice with Nikki and Christiana. So, overall, your family has seen it eight times between all of you. Um, man, math is, math is hard, so sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, your clan is single-handedly responsible for keeping that movie in theaters. Well, we do what we can. Plus, there's good popcorn at Kalamazoo 10. Well, last weekend, I was back in Michigan cleaning out my apartment there. And on Saturday night, after a long day of cleaning and packing, I decided to go over to Studio C and watch Top Gun. And I got, like, the premium chair. Um, So I had, like, the waiter and everything. And I needed to eat dinner anyway, so it was perfect. So I did that. Um, so yeah, I kind of like treated myself to <laughs> night out. <laughs> nice. Um, and so saw, what, and did saw you see it in, did you see it in IMAX or regular? No, it was just regular. So I wish I, I, they weren't playing it in IMAX anymore. Otherwise I would have drove over to the IMAX. Um, but the studio C is just like right down the street from where I used to live in Michigan. So, um, but yeah, I got the premium seat, got the small popcorn with it, and then ordered dinner. And oh my god, I I totally loved it. Like it was it was fantastic. Um, I really liked the scenes with all the F 18s I like they did a really good job at tugging at the like things that you loved about the first movie. Um, so yeah, and I I I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, with uh with the whole um maverick and iceman relationship but i was very satisfied by by that whole thing so yeah that 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 is one that really yeah the all the stuff about with with goose and goose's son that that tugs at the heartstrings but the, the just to know that as competitive as those two guys were and as much if, if i was maverick i would be very much blaming Ice for creating the situation that led to the death of Goose in the original one. Uh, but knowing how they brought that together, they healed that, and, and how Ice is helping help Maverick grow, you know, and, and finally get to the point where he's moving on, finally, after 30-some-odd years of waiting for a yeah, sequel. And the whole, I mean, just the whole story, I mean, the the fact that they did, like, all of the the different stunts with the F-18s and how they, how they filmed it, like, 
I was like, I was kind of on the edge of my seat with some of it. Like, you know, I'm sitting there like, oh, is that gonna, you know, it, it really made you think like, are they gonna do, are they gonna do that? Like, <laughs> right. So I thought that was kind of cool. I just, I just, it was a great popcorn movie. Like, you know, it wasn't anything deep. It wasn't, you know, it didn't need to be like anything, you know, you had to think about hard or anything like that. Um, like particularly if you're a fan of the original. So um, I don't know if I've mentioned my love-hate relationship with Tom Cruise on the podcast before, but I have a love-hate relationship with Tom Cruise that I really don't like him as a person but somehow all of his movies like are really good. <laughs> yeah, that is the annoying thing about Tom Cruise. That is like, the annoying thing about him. Yeah, like I love the Top Gun movies. I mean, A Few Good Men is one of my favorite all-time movies and like I love his character in that. I loved The Firm when it came out. I mean, like I I just have this hard time with him as a person. Oh, and they had um the Mission Impossible movies. I love, like, particularly the first one. Um, I love those movies. They're just great. Again, great, like, blockbuster popcorn kind of sure. movies. Sure. Um, they had a preview of the one coming out next year. And since we were talking about the MCU, Haley Atwell is in the new movie. And I got really excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what I don't know is if she's playing, if she's truly playing a good guy or just uh, someone who gets caught up in the mess or if she's actually playing a bad guy. So it'll You're be interesting. Have to watch to find out. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I, uh, and the, the, the one thing that, that I don't appreciate, though, is the fact that they've taken the story and they're doing the Harry Potter thing. They're splitting it into two movies. I did see that, and I was kind of like, "Oh, right." But so, and like, and and like the they haven't even they I guess they just started filming the second movie like two weeks ago, so they're yeah. far well, they're way behind. And granted, COVID has a lot to do with that. I get that because um, that's why the first one was so delayed. Um, mm-hmm. But come on, come on, I you know don't make me wait two years to, to for the the finale. Well, in the meantime, we've got let's see what's coming up. We've got we were talking about MCU. She Hulk is coming out yep. next month, and then um, the next Black Panther movie is coming out in November. Right, right. If I remember correctly, uh, Guardians. I think uh, it will be coming out in December or January, uh, somewhere in that time frame. Holiday special too. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um. The uh, the Marvels themselves that'll be next year. Um, I, I did see the uh, I did see that Ms. Marvel will be returning in yep. the Marvels. Yeah, which I think we knew that already, but yeah. um, but yeah, then, you know. So and then uh, uh, still I haven't heard a confirmation whether or not they're going to do a second series of Hawkeye. Um. There was some scuttlebutt around that because they originally submitted it as a limited series mm-hmm. um, for awards season, but right. then they like revised that. Right. So, the, so then maybe there's some hope for for a second season of Hawkeye, or maybe it'll be maybe it'll just be on on uh, um, the his uh, his new uh, mentor Mattie, uh, um from the from the from the story. Uh, but we'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. But uh, one, the one thing that we do know, based on the discussion so far. 
we know a couple things. One, my family really enjoys going to the movies and seeing the same film over and over and over again. And two, you've got some catching up to do. Three, we're going to need to invite Jason Larson back on the show to talk more MCU stuff as we get into uh, phase four. Uh, And then four, we should find a way to connect this with our friend Abby Sumler so that she can talk about passing some tests recently that uh, apparently has a positive impact on her doula business. And five, you need to get off the baseball field and stop umpiring Little League games so we can get our friends on the show and so your knees don't hurt as much. Valid, valid. I I have been doing a lot of umpiring lately. It is all-star time for Michigan Little League District 2, and I have made parents all across Kalamazoo County mad at me because I told them their kids have to stay in the dugout during a game. Why, Why did they want to leave the dugout? They said it was for a bathroom break, but honestly, I think it was to run around with some of their friends who weren't playing. Regardless of the reason, I don't know who else is hanging around the bathrooms and there's no security at the Little League facilities. I'm not about to risk someone messing with a kid when I'm in charge of the game and their safety. Plus, if I let the coach go with him while letting the game go on and then something happens during the game that needs the coach, he'll... He'll, he'll not be there for the whole thing, and then you're wasting my time. And my time is precious because I'm ancient and old and every day getting closer to leaving my mortal coil. So the lesson here is go to the bathroom before your baseball game and don't mess with Dave because he has no heart about kids' bladders. Exactly. So when is All-Star season done? I think it's done today. Um, depending on if any other games got rained out uh, or if there's an if game that's needed for next week. But the the game I had to do this morning uh, was the little major championship game between South Portage and West Portage Little League. Uh, I got to team up with my good friend Tom Wrench, who was, uh, he was on the plate, I was on third base. Uh, West Portage ended up winning in six innings. Uh, pretty good contest, and uh, but that should I think that'll be the end of the season for me, so I can hang up all my uh, powder blue and navy blue and red and black uh, umpire uh, shirts for another year and and put away the indicator because it's an indicator, not a clicker. Tom made sure to mention that this morning. Um, so yeah, so we're good. Well, and and then, I'll have uh, to talk about little league and mention Tom on the on the show. Well, now, now that you're done with that, we should then have plenty of time to find more reasons to bring our friends on the show or at least mention their names. However, I also want to bring up, I'm going off script for a second. Uh-oh. Ooh, You um, are Ron Burgundy? I also, I also want to bring up, um, didn't you just purchase, make a new purchase recently? I did because my knees are bad and I can't run as much as I used to. And we got a marathon, a half marathon to get ready for in October. Do not not put me in a marathon. It's not happening. No, no, Uh, (laughs) but, but I did, I did purchase. I went to pedal bikes, uh, in Cal in Portage, uh, and bought a, uh, uh, a, a new bike, uh, a giant Trek road bike. Uh, it's a level two, uh, and, um, uh, I like it. It's been a very good bike so far. I've I've had to change out the seats because the original seat made my butt hurt a lot within like uh, w- within like two miles. But uh, yeah, that that's my cardio training plan for this next half is mostly on the bike. I'll have to do some you know cross training and stuff like that. But yeah, and it's a nice so purple is bike. New, is your new seat um, comfy? 
it's more comfortable than the other one. I still okay. have some tweaking to do with it, but yeah, it's it's a okay. good form. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, it is a purple bike. Um, yeah, so that's kind of cool. I um, it was funny because my so my boss actually is a bike nerd. Um, admittedly, those are his words. Um, and I had mentioned that you bought a new bike. And so then I showed it to him. He's like, Oh yeah, I know which one that is. <laughs> I was like, Oh geez. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, at right. least our, at least our bosses have something in common. Cause my boss is a bike geek as well. Uh, and he was like, no, these are the bikes you need to get. And here are the tools you need to get. Here's all the other stuff you need to get. You need to get a cadence tracker and all this other stuff. And he's like been putting lists of things for me to buy on my <laughs> desk for my bike. And I'm like, great can I get a raise to pay yeah. for this stuff? Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're telling me all this stuff to spend money on. And then, uh, Hey, you want to give me some money? <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been good. And so I've been doing a lot of research in different, uh, bike trails throughout Kalamazoo County and stuff like that. So I've got, uh, uh I think I've, I've got a 10 mile loop that I've been able to design that starts down at the Bicentennial Park, uh, in Portage and we'll go down by Celery Flats, then over to Lover's Lane, then back up to Kilgore and around. And so, um, and maybe even, you know, take me by the mall or whatever. So we'll see. Cool. That's, uh, so that's partly on my list. I, I, uh, I pulled a running, um, or a half marathon training, uh, kind of the easiest one possible. (laughs) (laughs) Just because I know who I am and, um, and so like, really, I'm going to try to just, I need to get more miles on my feet. That's really what it is. Um, and so I have to do a little bit of, um, I've done a little bit of research on where to go. And luckily I live near quite a few places that I could go, um, to get miles in. So, um, I've been researching, I got to get a new pair of shoes before, like at least in the next, like two months so I can break that I have enough time to break them in um because my pair of shoes that I have like I don't think they'll make it through the entire race if I just have mm-hmm. that pair of shoes um but I think I if I have something to rotate in then I can then I can do that so right. I, I'm supposed to I want to go to the running store here but I'm trying to figure out which one's the best one to go to so yeah, it's it's hard not like knowing the area yet and trying to figure out where to go. So we'll see. Cool. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. So, and since we've now got the Top Gun anthem playing, I guess it's time to wrap this puppy up. So remember, if you see something that makes you go, what the F and what, drop us a line so we can mention you as a special correspondent. Don't forget to subscribe to the show by hitting that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Follow me on Facebook at facebook.com slash dqworthams, on Twitter at dqworthams, and on my blog at daveworthams.com. And you can follow me by going to facebook.com slash aclock, on Instagram at fallingstar924, and at geekgirlreadsitall and on TikTok at FallingStar924. And don't forget you can catch me hosting my trivia live at One Well Brewing in Kalamazoo on Sundays, where the first question flies at 6 p.m., and you might win some cash if you're the smartest and or luckiest person in the room. Like that time when the Conclave won $1,200 in the state trivia tournament. 
which I'm hosting tomorrow at Revel and Roll in Kalamazoo. So, but, uh, right. And, um, you know, speaking, getting back to one well, though, make sure you RSVP with one well to get a table if you want to play by visiting onewellbrewing.com. And so, friends, with that, from the home office in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and the remote office in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, remember, go Broncos. We'll see you later. Today's intro music was Happy Phantom by Tori Amos. Our outro music today was Top Gun Anthem by Harold Faltermeyer and Steve Stevens, mainly because Clock finally saw Top Gun. I gotta give you your dream shot. I'm gonna send you up against the best. You two characters are going to Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs>